Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start off with a summary of the gospel as we go into the vanity of life without believing. It's a very awesome chapter. There's no other way to describe it. I absolutely love 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so we're going to go line upon line, even if it takes us two weeks, because it's just too good. So without that, uh, we just press on in prayer. Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done. We pray that you will be with us. Bless us, Lord. Feed us with the beauty of thy manna that is found in this chapter. We will praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, in verse number 1, we have this. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the, that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen of, of Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed." This is such a powerful reality that comes to us in these first 11 verses here in 1 Corinthians 15. And one of the most important points reached verse number 11 in its connection from the Apostle Paul to Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 17. It says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 11, here it says, Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So we, we make this connection that faith comes to our hearts and our belief in, in Jesus from the preaching of the gospel and nothing else. Uh, all of the music in the world can cause us to be infatuated with with. Christ or infatuated with a Christian movement of this or of that, but music isn't what conveys the reality of Christ. It's preaching. It's preaching of the Word of God. It's the Word of God, the Word of God alone. <laughs> it's the Word of God. And so it, you don't find the apostles in their congregations running all kinds of programs that, that run amok, <laughs> running all kinds of programs that actually don't glorify God at all nor bring any glorification to, to the name or person of Jesus, but simply are little clubs that people can have extra things to do in their week that are more wholesome than the other garbage that could exist around them. 
So we find that it is necessary that we be a people of the book, that we teach the book, that we follow the Bible and, and preach the Bible, teach the Bible, live the Bible. Say, well, all that sounds boring. Then get saved. That's pretty plain and simple, isn't it? Just get saved. The reason why people utilize multitudes of curriculums and the reasons why people utilize all kinds of other programs and all kinds of other things instead of just using the Word of God is because they don't know the Word of God. They don't know the Bible. They don't, they're not confident or comfortable in being able to open up a book of the Bible and study through a book of the Bible. They've got to have other people's opinions about what that book said. And I've often had a desire to be able to write books, but the Lord has not given me the opportunity to write books because he's opened my eye to the fact that if I wrote a book, people would just start reading that and start following it instead of the word of God. But that's where the preaching comes in. Instead of writing these books and encouraging people to follow you, drop the books, preach the book, the only book that need ever to be written. The only book that ever need to be written was the Word of God. And that God would move people. God would speak to people. Preach the Word of God. And thus, 1 Corinthians 15, 11 says, Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believe. Now, moving back up to the points that he has at the beginning here, uh, we see brethren. Keep in mind, we had just finished off with 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and dealing with the edification of the church and the necessity of, of plainness of speech instead of all of these other gifts that he had talked about concerning spiritual things in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He, he told us that love was the most important part than all the other things that will be done away with. So he, he makes mention of the fact that all of the spiritual gifts, once the completion of the Word of God is, is done, that those spiritual gifts will, will be utilized only for the purpose of bringing the Word of God out. It's not extra-biblical revelations. It's not... It's not extra biblical languages it's not any of these other things that this these gifts will bring because the word of god when that which is perfect is come as you remember finding in first corinthians 13 from 8 to 10 then all these things which are done in part and those gifts that were done in part were for the purpose of manifesting an understanding of the word of god the holy spirit working through man to to bring forth the word of god but once the Word of God is compiled, it's completed, it's, it's prepared of the Lord, then all of those things are done away with, as the Scripture says. Just deal with it. And, and thus, the chapter 13 tells us that faith, hope, and charity, he said, but the key of it all is love, because when we get to chapter 14, if we're going to love people, we're going to teach people, we're going to preach to people, we're going to speak the word of God in a means that they will be able to understand so that they may be saved. Loving people is bringing them to a knowledge of Christ. Loving people is, is bringing them out of the pits of despair that they, they've sunken so low in to the, to, to the marvelous deliverance that comes from the love of God. Loving people is bringing them to Christ. 
It's not all of these other things that can glorify you or all of these other things that can glorify other people. It's the word of God entering the heart of man and leading them to faith in Christ. That's loving people. And so there's the moreover of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you, declare, I make a declaration. I'm shouting to the rooftops to you. I'm declaring to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received. Now, this is talking to the church, remember? And there's no lost people in a church. Now, within the church congregation, now within the congregation, you show up to the church building, you may have lost people and you may have apostate people. You may have people that in every way you consider them to be saved. But the truth is, is that they're not. These are the people of Romans chapter number one, that even though they knew God, in verse number 20 and following, even though they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but worshiped the creature more than the creator. That is the apostate. Apostates are those who in every way can convince you that they're a child of God, but that at the day of their departure from this earth, they taste the flames of hell and they don't understand why they're there. And the reality is, is because that they had the word of God, but they never honored the word of God. They had the teachings of Christ, but they never followed the teachings of Christ. They had, they had everything in their grasp and treated it as, as nothing because what they had, they utilized to glorify themselves. And that's what you find in this, this modern charismatic, in most of the charismatic circles, is that they're just glorifying themselves. And they're using the name of Jesus to do it. And it's going to bring forth a, a destruction, I personally believe, but that's just a personal belief argue it till the cows come home but it doesn't matter it's just a personal belief he says moreover brethren i declare to you the gospel which i preach to you which also you have received and in which you stand and you know it it was said by by someone not too long ago if if you don't stand for something you're gonna fall for everything what do you do you stand for jesus what do you stand for now, to make the quote or the claim, I stand for Jesus, now keep in mind what you're doing there. Because now you're testifying that you obey the gospel, that you believe the gospel, that you live the gospel, that you will preach the gospel, that you will serve the Lord in this life, and that you will be honorable before God in all things that you do in order to keep his name chased before the world that he's put you in. Do you stand? He said, verse 2, by which also you are saved if you hold fast. Now, that's a nasty two-letter word. I don't like that two-letter word. And I can't say that any any proper Calvinist could appreciate this two-letter word and the meaning behind what this scripture is saying right here at verse number 2. Because this is the challenge against every soul. Now, it, I'm not lying to you. I've, I've often desired to, to 
not hold to the doctrine of eternal security, and I'll explain why. As much as I love the concept of eternal security, of, of being received of the Father and, and never having been let go, I mean, it just doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, you received by the Father, you belong to the Father, you can never, ever, 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 ever lose your salvation. And praise God, in many places of Scripture, that's absolutely the fact. But this one right here ought to scare you to death, not because it, it's a fear tactic to hold or maintain control over you, but because the reality of your faith can be revealed to be false. For whatever reasons you came to uh, faith in Christ, then so easily to have fallen away from that faith, let's say you're one of the six-month wonders where you, you, you had a wreck, a train wreck of your life and, and, and things have gone wrong. So you turn to the church because you're looking for some resemblance of hope. You're, you're looking for an answer and the person that lives down the street from you goes to church all the time. Seems like they got it all together and they're always happy. And so you go to church and you hear this powerful message that is spoken eloquently with, with wonderful movement of, of what you believe to be the Spirit. You say, this is exactly what I need. You rush the altar. You pray the prayer. You've done all of the, the things you need to do. You climb in the baptistry tank. You've accomplished all religious rites that are necessary so that you can be great, feel great, be washed oh praise the lord and and you live up that life of christianity and and you start seeing things change you start seeing great reports for your health you start seeing things improve at work you start uh, god brings people into your life you think but god's people actually come into your life because they see you have need and the lord has put it on their heart to be a blessing to their brethren so they're going to love you it's the only time in your life you've been around a crowd of people who are actually willing to love you not because of what they can get out of you but because god loves you so they're going to love you so they make the arrangements to be able to help you and in six months everything has gone right back to beautiful so you don't need God anymore. So you start falling back from church. You start having other things to do. You start having other plans. You start, you start leaving God. Well, the reality behind that is that, in my personal estimation, you never had God. You tested God out. You, you put him on for a time to see if he was going to fit, and you enjoyed all the benefits of having him on for a time, but you never had God in your heart because you can't walk away from somebody so simply. But our society doesn't understand fidelity, and our society doesn't understand longevity. Our, our society doesn't even understand love, though we claim that we know it, because our divorce rate proves our faith rate. A people don't have faith in each other. They come together for whatever desires that they have from one another. And when they use that desire all up in that person and start building a desire for somebody else, they so easily just toss that other person aside to go chase after the new desires that I've got. And, and, 
and within the Christian movement of our country, there is no fidelity. And within the world, of course, you can expect there is no fidelity. They don't know God at all. But the sadness is within the Christian community that there is no fidelity. And the proof behind their infidelity to each other is the reality of their infidelity to God, whom they claim to love, whom they claim to serve but so easily will walk away from him for all these other things that could fill their day and their life. Apostate. And he goes down and he says, by which also you are saved. If, there's that nasty two-letter word, guys. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you. You see, the reality of salvation is, is in in the service that we render to the word we have received. You see, the reality of our salvation is, is contained within the love that we have for God that is revealed by our work, revealed by our actions, our activities, our lives. It's not enough to say, I love somebody. You know, I, I think about the multitudes of people that, that I started off in church with being brand new. My wife lost me lost, led to the Lord by the same pastor. Um, in, in the salvation we had received, we saw each other in a whole different way. We saw each other in Christ. And, and, and it's been 25 years now. As of this year, it's been 25 years. And, and I look at a multitude of the people in the, in, the, in the core of the church where we began, and most of them are divorced. And, and whatever, I fell out of love with this person or whatever this or whatever that. Of course, we know of, of cases of adultery that were happening and wife swapping that was going on. And you think all of this is happening inside the church. What in the world happened to Christians? Where in the world are the faithful? This, these are all things that are happening inside the body of Christ. And, and it didn't bother anybody. It didn't bother anybody. It, it didn't even register in the hearts of those defiled and depraved creatures inside the church that claimed Christianity, that claimed to be Christian, who were, who were just flippantly treating the gospel like it was something that we just do, not something to be lived. And, and the reality behind that is that it's still happening today. It's, it's happening throughout a, a Christendom as a whole. It, it's embarrassing to think that all of these different, like, for instance, a 60 Minutes report that I was watching the other day where, where the Australian branch of Hillsong had, had, uh, it is on the, the, the front page news because Brian Houston, it's, it's, it's naked cowboy. I don't understand what they don't understand about the direction that's going to happen with these people that are gripped by this false gospel of the Christian contemporary music business. But this, this Hillsong United group over in, in, in Australia where, where he and multitudes of his staff are now brought up, being considered and brought up on charges of sexual assault, of rape, of, of all kinds of these issues because they become rock stars. They're not children of God. They're not Christian. They're rock stars putting on a show. 
and they're making billions of dollars every year off of of people like like churches like Martin and churches like all, all these country churches where you want to have a blended service where you want to have these this rock and roll at the beginning so you put on these songs and there's Hillsong and you're singing a song that's coming out of a place in a movement that has nothing to do with God amazing yes i'm a little bit furious about some things because, man, what is Christianity anymore? What is Christianity anymore? What, is it, what does it even mean in America to be a Christian when all of the wickedness of this world can be justified as people would claim to be Christian? What does it mean to even be a Christian anymore? you got to think about these things. Perhaps I'll simmer down. Um maybe later <laughs> but it's irritating it's just i don't understand he says by which you are also you also are saved if you hold fast the word which i preach to you now this scripture verse number two doesn't paint a false dichotomy it doesn't paint a logical fallacy of either or it makes a very real and logical statement you either are a child of God or you're not. Now, Paul can make that distinction because God made that distinction. If you're not going to obey the gospel, if you're not going to follow the teachings of Jesus, then you do not belong to Jesus and you do not belong to God. You can say you belong to him all day long, but your words are cheap compared to your activities and your activities reveal your faith not your words and so if you are saved you will hold fast the teachings of jesus and you will live them otherwise you're apostate you're a liar and the truth is not in you and you've believed in vain <laughs> you can't be judging me judge not lest you be judged blah 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 flush it all in the toilet where it belongs no, this is the word of God. This isn't the opinion of Jason. This is the word of God. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you've believed in vain. He said, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. The first things. That Christ died for our sins. Where did we get that? According to the scriptures. You see, the Apostle Paul brings us back to according to the scriptures twice here. Because it he's not talking about some evangelical, weak-kneed, watered-down version of, of ABC, admit, con, uh, believe and confess, or something watered down like that. He's, he's talking about the teachings that he has taken this people through. If the reality of the life of Jesus through the Gospels, uh, certainly the gospel of Mark that he already has, but from the Old Testament even. 
The Apostle Paul is revealing the reality of Jesus throughout the covenant that was made in the Old Testament that was shown through Abraham's life and shown through through the, the message of Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and the promises of prophecy from Daniel and from Ezekiel. He, he led them through the course of the life of Messiah from the Old Testament. And then through the gospel, which has been written by this point, certainly of Mark and very possibly of Matthew at this point, written in Hebrew, by the way, and that he would be able to show the life of Jesus and then testify to the old, his own things because certainly the apostle Paul was there on the, on the Juda, Judaism's side persecuting Jesus and so he could talk about the life of Jesus from the side of a persecutor instead of a follower even and he says first of all I delivered to you that which I also received that Christ died for you where do you get the idea that you have the ability and right to do whatever you want to do the way you want to do it and at the time you want to do it in the place you want to do it when Christ died for you and then said, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And yet Christianity just doesn't glorify God at all, except, except, except for Sunday. Sunday, oh, the Christians come out to church on Sunday. Oh, they're so beautiful on Sunday, and they do so many wonderful things on Sunday. And oh, they pull up their their pockets and they drop their little monies, and they they do their little things, and they 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 support their little institutions on Sunday, but then live like the devil Monday to Saturday. In many cases, now I'm not talking about the the very few that would actually believe the gospel, that would actually live for the gospel, that would that would seek to follow Jesus and understand it. And I'm not talking about that group. I'm talking about the, the overwhelming majority of people that play church. He said, For I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures guys it's all about the bible it's all about the bible it's all about the word of god you have in your possession it's about the bible and that he was seen by cephas well who's that who's cephas better yet said in aramaic kepha but who is that cephas People read across that and people say, what in the world? Well, the, the, the Apostle Paul knows exactly who he's talking about. By the way, Paul is his Roman name. Shaul is his Hebrew name. So the Apostle Shaul is talking about the Apostle Cephas or Kepha. Now, who are these people? Well, needless to say, Kepha is interpreted as a stone. That's Peter in 1 Corinthians 15. So now you have the Apostle Paul testifying to Peter's uh, being a follower of, of Jesus, of course, well before the Apostle Paul even comes on the scene. This, this is a connection that Paul is making to his knowledge, to his fellowship, to his, his connection with the other apostles, with Peter in this case. He said 
that he was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Go ahead and say that the resurrection didn't happen. Go ahead and say that, that the resurrection is, is, is a farce, that it didn't exist. You can't escape the reality that the resurrection was well known and is well known in testimonies that are extra biblical, that means outside the Bible. There, there was over 500 brethren that have seen the risen Savior. And of course, by the writing of 1 Corinthians 15, he says that the greater part remained at this present. <laughs> they were alive. You could just go over and talk to them and say, hey, what, did Jesus rise? Me, Lord, yes, I'm, I'm a follower of, of Jesus because I met the man. I met the risen Savior. I know whom I have believed in, and I am fully persuaded that he is able to deliver me against the day of my death because I watched him go up. I, I saw he who was dead and is alive forevermore. I know Jesus you know, true believers have that same testimony for the Holy Spirit rejoices inside of them because of their faith in Jesus. And you know your Redeemer lives. Praise God you know it. There's no question about it. But it's the difference between just believing in Jesus and having faith in Jesus. Plenty of people that claim to be Christians believe in all of this stuff, but because they don't have faith, they don't follow it. See, faith is the action, the activity that brings us to following. And belief is just intellectual. Belief is of the mind. Faith is of the heart. Plenty of people believe plenty of things that they never follow, that they never do, that they, don't, that they could care less about. Doesn't mean they didn't believe them but it certainly doesn't mean they're going to follow him. And many people don't follow Jesus even though they claim to believe him. Because if they'd follow him, they would act like him. And he says that uh, according to the scriptures that he died and rose again. And it says in verse number 5, And that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve, and then by five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Amen. Then, of course, we're dealing with the situation of Acts chapter number 9 at this point. He says, Then, last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. <laughs> In other words, I came to this truth late, <laughs> much later than all the rest. But nevertheless, I came to this truth. I, I was born, but I wasn't born in the same time. I was out of due time. In other words, the Apostle Paul lived a life of, of remembering that, that he surely should have come to Jesus so much sooner than he did. And I carry that same cross in my own heart as receiving Christ when I was 23 years of age, but having an opportunity throughout my life in periods of time like Christmas or Easter when I would be drugged 
to church because my dad was going to be at a candlelight service or that we were going to be at a sunrise service or something of that nature. And though living a life uh, mostly unchurched, certainly either Christmas or Easter, we would find our butts in a pew somewhere being threatened that if we move, we're going to get destroyed. So, (laughs) needless to say, uh, I was not a recipient to the gospel. I was just afraid of dad. (laughs) And, And we didn't grow up in the environment of knowing God. And when I came to this faith, I I lived a, a regret. And I've carried this in my soul to this very day. It's why I'm willing to get fired. It's why I don't care what people think. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm going to share the gospel. And I'm not backing down. I'm not backing up. And no matter what we have to go through in this life with my family because of our faith, we are going to stand because the gospel is worth it. And souls need truth. They don't need religion and they don't need all this other junk they're getting in this modern day. They need truth. And that's the one thing that churches are sadly lacking in in this modern day. And and I think about uh, 23 years of age coming to faith in Jesus and I said, no, nah, I was born out of due time. I should have known Christ. I should have served Jesus. I should have there were there was one man who truly tried to reach out to me truly tried to to share the gospel with me and though i wasn't in his church yet because i lived in a community he he tried to share the gospel with me and i skateboarded away from him and just walked off of him, from him and his name was jeff gardner and he wanted to see me saved. And, and he does now, praise God. I've had the privilege over the last years from coming to Christ to even preach in the church that, that he preaches in there in Virginia. I got to share the gospel. And, and he got to see the reality of the boy that he knew to be lost and headed for hell. He got to see the answer to his prayers and the young man saved preaching the gospel. He got to see it. And praise God, I rejoice in that. That God loved him and gave him the answer to his prayers. And and guys, there's nothing better than that. But I was born out of due time. How it could have happened so much sooner and so much more could have come out of this vessel for the Lord than what, what has been because the time has been wasted. Don't you ever feel that way? Or do you even care? Does it even matter to you about the gospel? Do you even support your church? Do you teach anything in your church? Do you take care of anything in your church? Do you hold any 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 classes in your church? Do you do you lift up the ministries of your church? Invite the neighborhood to the ministries of your church. Talk about the blessing of your church. Talk about the 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 joy you get from Jesus in your church? Do you even lift up your body of Christ so that the lost can know that this is a place where people can come to receive Jesus? Do you even lift up your church? You don't even think about your church through the week. You don't even think about it. Praise God, you just don't care. And it, But Paul did. He said, then last of all, he was seen by me also walking down or riding down that Damascus road on the back of the donkey, getting ready to go 
uh, imprison Christians, getting ready to go kill Christians, getting ready to go go take care of things for Judaism. Praise God, our orthodoxy will win out. Not with Jesus. He was on his face in the dirt, blind as a bat, being told by Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the goads, isn't it, boy? And that's the truth of it. He said, for I'm the least of the apostles. Least is in last. Least is in less prominent. Least is in as as in you know coming in at at the end of the gate, not at the front of it. And you could tell that eats it, Paul. You could tell that that he recognizes after meeting Jesus that he's been wrong this whole time. And this is one of those aha moments in in the in Paul's life. Because the question was raised to Paul, if everything you ever believed was a lie, would you want to know the truth? You see, all of the apostles' life, he was following Judaism. Now, Judaism is not a lie. Judaism has the right father, the right God. It has the right teachings to the point of, of obedience to God. It has the law that is necessary to convict the soul unto salvation. It has everything that we need, but it's missing Messiah. And you see, the apostle Paul could have followed Jesus in his earthly ministry. He could have recognized the Messiah. After all, uh, Nicodemus did. Joseph of Arimathea did. They too, being Pharisees, just like the Apostle Paul, could have followed Jesus. Even Gamaliel recognized the authority of Messiah in Jesus and, and, and did not necessarily fight against the teachings that Jesus presented. And so that we find that, that, that Judaism in itself is not a crime except that they refuse their Messiah. In their refusal of Messiah, they, they have locked themselves out of the blessings of the Lord and of heaven. And so it is necessary to preach to them. Remember the scripture says, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you. They have not held fast to their Messiah, therefore they are outside his grace. And thus we find the reality that Paul cries out in his heart, I'm born out of due time, for I was not there when I could have been. Better late than never. But let that lateness, that tardiness of your faith punish you remind you, and keep you steadfast. You say, oh no, you're supposed to let all of that stuff go. It's under the blood. You're supposed to just be set free. Listen, listen. <laughs> I don't want to be set free from it. I don't want to ever forget how late I was to the gospel because I want to keep that focused in my heart that I preach the gospel and lead souls to the love of God because I know what it's like to not have been there when I could have been there. I don't want to forget it and be just happy, clappy, slappy, and ridiculous. No, we don't want that. He said, I'm the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am.
And his grace toward me was not in vain. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Father, we thank you and praise you and ask that blessing upon us as we consider these things on this day of Shabbat. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. Save us. Help us. Lead us by thy spirit and we'll give you praise and thanks. In the blessed name of Jesus this day. Amen. All right, guys. What more can be said? By the grace of God, I am what I am. But uh, coming up this weekend on on Sunday, 10.30 a.m., you want to catch the services, we stream online. It'll be there at Barton Baptist Church page. Uh, Be sure to catch us. We'll be glad to have you. And, And until next Monday, where we meet again for the purpose of carrying on the resurrection of the dead in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, beginning in verse number 12. Till then, take care.